This is Radio Energy News. Good afternoon. This is Energy Radio. Today's top stories. NHS chiefs in Scotland are discussing having the wealthy pay for treatment as they try repair a billion-pound hole in the Scottish healthcare budget. The wealthy pay more in income tax. In the old days, I once or twice had patients saying, I've paid for you, but that doesn't happen anymore. From today, ScotRail are offering all students with valid ID a 50% discount on off-peak train tickets until January 9th. It comes amidst a cost-of-living crisis and calls for strike action on Scottish railways. But honestly, that's going to be such a lifesaver. I'll get there in four hours and it's going to be... Oh my God, that's amazing. Ukraine has narrowly escaped nuclear disaster after Zaporizhna's power plant was heavily shelled this weekend. Retired Air Vice Marshal Sean Bell has said that there are no immediate risks. Whilst Russia blames the Ukrainians for this shelling, buildings and equipment and some of the periphery have been damaged, but we've been reassured by all parties that there's no critical nuclear security or safety issues as a result of this latest attack. Today's top story. This morning, it has emerged that NHS leaders in Scotland have discussed abandoning the founding principles of the service by having the wealthy pay for treatment. The minutes of a meeting held by NHS Scotland chief executives were seen by BBC News and marked in confidence, not for forward sharing. Mentioned in the draft minutes was a discussion of a two-tier health service. It comes after NHS Scotland chiefs were allegedly given the go-ahead to explore all types of reform as they try to repair a billion-pound hole in the Scottish healthcare budget. Scottish Health Secretary Hamza Youssef has tweeted this morning that an SNP-led Scottish government has never contemplated charging anyone, regardless of wealth, for treatment on the NHS. Reporter Sam Peck investigates the story. If a two-tier service was adopted in Scotland, it'd be a major shift away from the core principles of the NHS. The NHS was established on the 5th of July 1948 with three essential principles. Services to help everyone, health care is free, And finally, that care would be provided based on need rather than ability to pay. I spoke to a retired doctor who wished to remain anonymous about his thoughts on moving away from the free-for-all principles. The wealthy pay more in income tax. In the old days, I once or twice had patients saying, I've paid for you, but that doesn't happen anymore. I would be a bit reluctant to go down that pathway if it involved paying for NHS services. Uh, First of all, it would be an open door to open up a new level of bureaucracy uh, to collect the fees from the supposedly wealthy for medical services. And secondly, you would have the accusation that by paying, people were going to be queue jumping for essential services. And I think that would set up more hostility um, than it would really be worth. I don't think we're very good even at the present time of collecting fees for from for nationals who come and use the health services in in this country um people car accidents or illnesses while they're visiting this country um these people are not covered and we don't seem to collect the fees from these people so to to start charging patients that i think will be a very dangerous uh, precedent Leith GP Dr Rachel Harrison is totally against paying for care. Well, I think it's, it would be an absolute tragedy to um, to abandon it free-for-all. I think that's, I think free-for-all is totally crucial. As it stands, wealthy people uh, can and often do choose to pay for their own treatment and go privately, which you could argue takes them off the waiting list and frees up space for 
people who can't afford to pay and also means that the NHS doesn't have to fund their care, but at least it's their choice. It is obvious that there needs to be an open discussion about the limitations of the Scottish NHS. It may be that delivering every kind of care is no longer viable. That was reporter Sam Peck on NHS Scotland. From today, ScotRail is offering students a 50% discount on off-peak train tickets over the festive period. Reporter Christine Fernand investigates the impact that this policy will have on Scottish students. The train operator is encouraging students to use its service, cutting prices by 50% on train tickets across Scotland's railway network. Although this has become an annual offer at this time of year, we found that many students are unaware of its availability. The discount was advertised on ScotRail's Twitter feed. However, there's a sense that it has not been well enough publicised. We asked students at Edinburgh Waverley Station if they were aware of the offer and if they would use it. Do you know anything about the 50% off ScotRail is doing for students? I don't know. You didn't? No. So you hadn't heard anything about that? No. Would, would ScotRail 50% off be of interest to you? It would, yeah. I think that's right. really beneficial, yeah. actually, yeah. Well, because I live like the far up north of Scotland, so when I go home it takes me like eight hours on the coach. Yeah. And I only do it because it's free, but honestly, that's going to be such a lifesaver. I'll get there in four hours and it's going to be... Oh my god, that's amazing. College and university students will be able to take advantage of half-price travel on any off-peak ScotRail ticket from Monday the 21st of November 2022 until Monday the 9th of January 2023. Transport correspondent for The Scotsman, Alistair Dalton, gave us his views. ScotRail is still in the post-pandemic recovery mode. They're not up to the full passenger levels before covid so this is a way of trying to fill some empty seats on off-peak and quieter trains. So although there's a cost of ScotRail, there is an element of extra revenue since um, you're still paying half the price of the ticket. ScotRail Commercial Director Leslie Kane has said that the offer has proven very popular in the past and they are thrilled to be passing on the savings to students and just in time for the Christmas holidays. That was reporter Christine Fernand. Energy Radio did contact ScotRail for comment, however, a representative was not provided. Now for the local news with reporter Sophia Kerr. Measures to support walking, wheeling and cycling implemented in Edinburgh throughout the pandemic have been extended on a trial basis for a further 18 months. The scheme will continue to see road closures for pedestrian access throughout the city. Today, an Edinburgh City Council opened a six-month consultation to allow residents to voice their opinions about these proposals. Councillor Scott Arthur, head of the Transport Committee, spoke about keeping and improving these measures. What this consultation is going to look at is whether or not they should be retained and uh, if they are retained, what improvements can be made to them to, to make them better and more acceptable to people. An Edinburgh councillor has said that the council should be able to find motorists for driving over the 20 mile per hour speed limit, which currently only the police can enforce. Councillor Kevin Lang spoke about putting pressure on Police Scotland to implement this to help tackle speeding in the city. This comes after Wandsworth Council in London have been given the power to enforce the 20 mile per hour speed limit in residential areas. Sunday marked Transgender Day of Remembrance around the globe. The Transgender and Non-Binary Campaign at Edinburgh University will hold a vigil tonight at 6pm in Bristol Square to mourn the deaths of those who have been murdered as a result of transphobia. Graham Checkley, a trans right activist attending the vigil, spoke about the importance of these commemorations in Scotland today. 
it's absolutely essential that we have this remembrance. If you allow transphobia to be part of the body politic, that endangers people. That was Sophia Kerr with Energy Local News. Back to some travel. Reporter David Proudfoot investigates recent trouble on Lothian buses. Edinburgh Buses has appealed to its customers to show more respect towards bus drivers. It comes as reports of recent increases in antisocial behaviour towards the city's drivers. This is on the back of abusive behaviour reported last year when rocks were thrown at buses, causing damage and even worse being aimed into the driver's cabin. The managing director of Lothian Buses has described attacks around bonfire night this year as horrendous. Sarah Boyd described attacks using fireworks towards drivers and emergency services. She also reported incidents of spitting and general antisocial behaviour on the buses, often requiring the police to be called. Edinburgh Council's Transport and Environmental Convener Scott Arthur commented on the job that bus drivers did during the Covid lockdown. Yeah, I mean, I think the the bus drivers, I think we forget that the buses in Edinburgh kept operating right the way through COVID. And the bus drivers really dealt with quite unknown risks at that time, just to really keep the city moving, just to ensure key workers could get to the workplace. You know, so a lot of NHS staff were still able to use the Lothian Buses network to to get to hospitals, etc., so they could undertake their jobs. Miss Boyd acknowledged that customers might feel frustrated at the lower levels of service due to driver shortages and apologised for that, but also said that there's no reason to turn on people doing their best. She believes that they are starting to resolve the driver shortages and is asking the public to show patience. Scott Arthur added his comments on recent events. So but what we're faced just now is Lothian Buses has quite a difficult situation because there's a driver shortage and that means some of its services have been curtailed. And that seems, at least in part, behind a psychic change in mood by an absolute minority of Lothian Buses passengers. And some of them have been quite rude and even offensive or aggressive towards drivers. So obviously that's completely unacceptable, I think. That was reporter David Proudfoot. Now for Energy Radio's International News with Sandia Menon. The International Atomic Energy Agency said the forces behind the shelling of Ukraine's Zaporizhia power plant are playing with fire after a series of explosions shook the facility. The UN nuclear watchdog said Ukraine narrowly escaped disaster during fighting at the weekend that rocked Europe's largest atomic power plant with a barrage of shells, some falling near reactors and damaging a radioactive waste storage building. Agency head Rafael Grossi said the attacks were another close call. Retired Air Vice Marshal Sean Bell says there's no immediate risks. Whilst Russia blames the Ukrainians for this shelling, buildings and equipment and some of the periphery have been damaged, but we've been reassured by all parties that there's no critical nuclear security or safety issues as a result of this latest attack. NASA plans to have astronauts working and living on the moon for up to two months before the end of the decade. The U.S. Space Agency finally launched its Artemis moon rocket from Florida, sending a next-generation capsule on a crewless voyage around the moon and back. U.S. Agency's Orion Luna spacecraft program hit Howard Hu said humans could be active on the moon for durations before 2030, with habitats to live in and rovers to support their work. At least 162 people have died and around 700 injured in a 5.6-magnitude earthquake that shook Indonesia's main island of Java. According to reports, buildings have been damaged, including a hospital. The quake struck at a shallow depth of six miles, and officials warned the death toll could rise. Colorado Springs Police Department Chief Adrian Vasquez said two firearms, including a long rifle, were found at the scene of the Colorado shooting at Club Q. He described the club goers who confronted the gunmen and stopped the shooting as heroic. 
Vasquez said his department is devastated by what happened after the 22-year-old suspect who is in police custody killed five people and injured another 25 when he opened fire inside the gay club in the U.S. state on Saturday night. Every citizen has the right to feel safe and secure in our city, to go about our beautiful city without fear of being harmed or treated poorly. U.S. President Joe Biden called for a ban on assault weapons in response. Owner of Orlando Gay Club Pulse, Barbara Poma, backed the right to bear arms but agrees with Biden. In 2016, Pulse was at the scene of the second worst mass shooting by a single gunman in U.S. history. The use of assault rifles or any kind of magazine or item that could alter a weapon to kill people so quickly and so massively, it's just unnecessary for civilians to be carrying those weapons, and I've never felt any differently about that. Now, the latest sport highlights on Radio Energy. In today's breaking sports news, we see England winning 6-2 against Iran in their first game of the Qatar Football World Cup. The game began with a degree of controversy, with the Iranian team refusing to sing their national anthem in solidarity with protesters and human rights activists back in their home country. Iran's stance comes after FIFA disallowed the wearing of One Love armbands, which are worn to promote anti-discrimination and display solidarity with the LGBTQ community. Players have been warned that wearing the One Love armband could result in sanctions, including a yellow card. FIFA have been met with extreme backlash, with co-chair of Arsenal's gay gunners Carl Fern suggesting the decision is not fair on players. The anger is palpable, but one thing I think we should make clear is groups like ours, we certainly don't want to put pressure on the players. It's not fair. But Harry Kane, even though I'm an Arsenal fan, you know, he's captain of England, but that pressure on Harry Kane at this stage, it shouldn't be there and they should just go out there and, and focus on the game. Wales kick off against the USA in their first match of the World Cup at 7 o'clock tonight. Wales have confirmed that they will not be wearing the One Love armband after FIFA announced their sanctions. In other football news, Rangers manager Giovanni Van Bronckhurst has been sacked after just one year in his role, following a disappointing performance from his team throughout the Scottish Premiership so far. Giving their thoughts on the sacking, football fan Mo gave us his thoughts. I think Rangers have, have actually been very terrible this season. Their major rival Celtic is still out there in the, um, I think, Europa Cup. So it's quite understandable that Giovanni got sacked. In a statement, Rangers thanked Giovanni for all his efforts throughout his time as manager. That was the sound of full time at BT Murrayfield on Saturday, where Scottish rugby fans celebrated a win against Argentina from Scotland's final fixture in the Autumn Nations series. It was an action-packed game with a total of six players being sent off, including five Argentinian players as well as Scotland captain Jamie Ritchie, following a mass brawl in the second half. The eventful match ended at 52-29 to Scotland. So where does this leave our national team ahead of next year's Six Nations Tournament and Rugby World Cup? In an exclusive interview, we asked Scottish rugby commentator Stuart Cameron for his insight. I think uh, Scotland are in a good place after the after the uh, the autumn tests. Uh, I mean, they really did go for it. I think the way that 
the, the team went against New Zealand as well. I mean, it was two out of four in the autumn tests, but it could easily have been four out of four. Scotland do have people who can come in and do a really good job and fit in to the, the whole setup. Stuart also provided his insight on how he thinks Scotland will cope on the international stage next year. We have a squad there that could beat any team in the world. Um, you know, bring on England. The Guinness Six Nations kick off on February the 4th next year, with Scotland's first fixture away against England at Twickenham. Thank you, Philippa Howie. And finally, Ron O'Donnell's exhibition, Edinburgh, A Lost World, has opened this weekend in the City Art Gallery. Ailey Tuckett reports. I was still young, you know, and I just, I just cycled round on my bike with a camera on a cardboard box tied on with bungees and, and a tripod and, and did it. Was it for amusement? It wasn't really amusement. It was, it was an obsession in a way, you know, an addiction. That was photographer Ron O'Donnell, whose exhibition, Edinburgh, A Lost World, opened on Saturday at the City Art Gallery. Cycling his way around the city throughout the 1970s and 80s, Ron documented unremarkable locations, spots no one else had ever paid attention to. Now, 50 years later, the collection acts as a reminder of the changes in society, but he insists that wasn't his intention. I wasn't interested in going around documenting these things or, or, or making these things for posterity. I just did it because they were unusual. I made them because I was just interested in these places. I mean, I didn't want people in them anyway. They were made because they looked like theatrical sets to me. They looked like a play was about to take place. They looked like a curtain, you were sitting in the theatre and a curtain was about to open and that was the set. There's a sense of detachment in all of Ron's photographs, a total absence of people, a play without its players. Ron has captured the reality that exists, but in a way he is constructing his own reality, dramatising the everyday in a photographic form. Restricted by a tight budget, Ron allowed himself just four takes, relying on a torch to light his composition. An abandoned air raid shelter behind some tenement flats in the Fountain Bridge area of the city is just one example of an Edinburgh that no longer exists. People would sometimes say, there's an old air raid shelter behind, around the back of my tenement block. And folk had just left stuff like old bikes and things and bits and pieces and whatnot. And places like Bobby's Bookshop just don't operate in the same way, as Ron explains. This is Bobby's Bookshop in Morrissey Street. He doesn't sell anything truly these days. Because he told me, you know, all the people who used to be in the tenement blocks are, are all dead now. So it's all students that live in them. And students don't buy True Detective magazines. What's interesting about this is that um, through the back... Here, he wouldn't let me photograph because he has a little which has um, censored magazines, shall we say, <laughs> through there. And he went, oh, no, no, you can't photograph in there, you can't photograph in there. I, I was really a bit miffed by that. Maeve Toll was responsible for creating Ron's exhibition. Of his photographs, she says. Ron's photographs have unintentionally become historic documents of the city. Visitors will be able to reminisce and draw comparisons between then and now. The exhibition runs until the 5th of March, so you've got plenty of time to rediscover Edinburgh, no longer a lost world. That was Ailey Tuckett reporting on Ron O'Donnell's Edinburgh, a lost world. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. Edinburgh's weather update. A cold start today with temperatures having dropped below freezing overnight. Mainly dry in the east, with some sunny spells and the odd east coast shower this afternoon. Highs in Edinburgh will reach 6 degrees today, with temperatures dropping only 1 degree tomorrow morning, so a slightly warmer night. This is Radio Energy. Travel. Edinburgh Travel. Temp traffic lights are causing delays on Craiglocker Avenue as gas leak repairs are carried out. 
Edinburgh trams are currently operating a reduced 15-minute service while they resolve power issues with their overhead line. Delays on Edinburgh's old Dalkeith Road as urgent repairs are carried out. As temperatures drop overnight, Traffic Scotland will place 9 gritters and 15 patrol gritters across the Scottish road network. Beware of icy conditions. This is Radio Energy News. This is Energy Radio. Today's closing headlines. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has said that NHS principles are not up for discussion after news emerged this morning suggesting NHS bosses had discussed having the wealthy pay for treatment in Scotland. Starting today, ScotRail will offer students a 50% discount on off-peak train tickets until January. The scheme will target students in Scotland travelling over Christmas. As a result of heavy shelling, the city of Zaporizhna has managed to avoid disaster this weekend after fighting rocked Europe's largest atomic power plant in Ukraine. And lastly, some breaking news. A second Scottish Teachers' Union has confirmed dates for strike action in a drive for improved pay. Members of the Scottish Secondary Teachers' Association, SSTA, will walk out on either the 7th or 8th of December. It's Monday afternoon. This has been Energy Radio and I've been Molly Finlay. Thanks for listening and good evening. This is Radio Energy News.